Welcome back to the weekly Zohar study. Today we will be learning the Zohar on the Parsha of Shemot. I'd like to dedicate this class to the Rufuah Shalima of my mom, Jacqueline Bat-Alia. May she have a complete and speedy recovery. Let's do it. Kashu to the Tzadikim. We hear Atzol Fanecha Hashem Elokeinu Velhe Avotenu Shtekamel Beratzon Ed Limudenu Nidizchut Rabishim Or Meyuchai Ve'ariya Kadosh and Rabchai Vital. We will be able to draw down the Chochmah, the Bina, and the Da'at, the wisdom, understanding, and the consciousness of the teachings of the Holy Zohar so we can integrate them fully into our lives and be worthy vessels to receive Hashem's great light and the Blessing. We are reading from the Zohar for Shemot, verses 353 to verse 357, and you could follow along in the text provided. So a little synopsis about today's going to be discussing in the Zohar, what are the three different kinds of prayers and which one is the most powerful form of prayer. Verse 353. Rabbi Yitzchak said there are three subjects here. Anacha, Shavu'atzaka, a sigh, a cry, and a will. Each one is different from the other. Sigh, as it is written, the children of Israel sighed. Shemot. So this is in response to when the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, and from the burden of all the the avodat parach, the the intense work that they were forced to do, they would cry out. And there were different ways that the Torah describes how they would cry out and pray to Hashem. So one of the first ones is called Anacha, which is a sign. The second one, Tzaka, Dichtiv, Baitzaku. Tzaka means to wail. And as it's written in the same parsha, uh, chapter Shemot chapter two, and they wailed. Shava means to cry, as it is written, and their cry went up to Hashem. So we see here in the same parsha three different ways that the Torah describes how the Jewish people, as, as slaves, were able to express their pain and suffering and ask for Hashem. To save them. Each one is explained individually, and Israel did all of them. Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, He's saying that um, the Jewish people did cry and they did wail, but they did not sigh. Sigh means. This is implied from what is written, and they sighed as there was sighing for them from above. So he's reading it in a different way. He's saying that when it says that they sighed, it wasn't referring to, it wasn't reflexive. It wasn't referring to the Jewish people sighing, but rather that sort of like from the supernal world that was overseeing what was happening, they were sighing for them and they were noticing what was happening to them, their pain and suffering. Verse 354. So he, he's asking, how are wailing and crying different? How is Tzaka and Shavu'ah different? So he says that there's no crying except in prayers, that the, that the type of prayer that is called Shavu'ah only apply, applies to crying that's done in prayer. Hear my prayer, Hashem, and give ear to my cry. So this is uh, Tehillim chapter 39, 
where it's described that a certain type of prayer that Hashem hears, which is a Shavah. So, but to you, I have cried Hashem. And it also said, I cried to you, you have healed me. So we see that cry is a prayer that uses words. It's not just a, a regular cry, but it actually it's connected to a cry, a prayer that is with crying and with words. Uh, we're we're going to see why they're trying to be so specific with each one. They're trying to distinguish between different levels of prayer and, and why one prayer is more impactful than another. And wailing means wailing without saying anything, meaning without words. So here's the main point they're trying to say. Rabbi Yuda said, wailing is therefore greater than all of that because wailing is in the heart. As it is written, their heart wailed to Hashem. This is in Eicha, chapter 2. So they're saying wailing and crying out of prayer are one thing. So they're saying that these two words are interchangeable. Crying or wailing during prayer are closer to Hashem than regular prayer, which is tefillah, and anacha, anacha means sign. So this is in Shemot. It's also connected to the Jewish people while they were in Egypt. It says, Hashem says, and if they wail to me, when it's the double repetition of the word, it's giving it extra emphasis. If they wail, I will for sure hear their wail. So we see her, Hashem making it super clear that this is the type of prayer that is most heard or most accepted. Next verse, 355. said, When the Holy One, blessed be He, said to Samuel the prophet, He said, this is in uh, regards to Shaul, the, the first king of uh, Israel. Hashem said, I regret that I have set up Saul to be king. So this is after Saul sinned. And Hashem was telling Samuel the prophet that he regrets appointing him as king. So after Hashem expressed that to him, Samuel the prophet, it says that he got really upset and he wailed to Hashem all night. He wailed to Hashem. So they're saying that Samuel the prophet chose this type of prayer of sighing of and crying the tzaka and more than any other prayer. Why? Because to be wailing is close is the way to get closer to Hashem more than any of the other prayers. So he knew that that type of prayer would be accepted. As it is written in this week's parsha where it says Shemot, and now behold the wail of the children of Israel have come before me. So this is when Hashem uh, reaches out to Moshe for this first time, and he asks him to go take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Hashem says to Mo- Moses, I've finally heard their tzaka. So he's saying that, that this, out of all the prayers they had, this particular type of prayer is the one that Hashem heard. Verse 356. Tanya Rabbeinu, Haiman, Detzali, Ubachi, 
the Torah sages taught us that it is considered a complete prayer in the heart when one prays and weeps and wails until he could no longer move his lips. It never returns empty, but rather is accepted. So they're saying, they're like giving a guarantee. They're saying, if you pray this way, we guarantee you your prayer will never return empty. Meaning that they pray from the heart. They weep and wail until they, they move their lips. Like you could start out with a prayer with words, but then get to the point where there's no more words coming out. Amara bi Yehuda, so he's saying, how great is the value of this type of prayer of Tzadkam? This is Rabbi Yehuda saying, what's the great value? That it tears apart a negative judgment, a decree that a person might have accumulated from his life. This type of prayer completely canceled that. So it's really very, very powerful. Verse 357. So Rabbi Yitzchak is saying, why is this prayer of Tzaka so important, so valuable? Because it has the power to override Midat Hadid. Midat Hadid means the attribute of judgment and above. So that's very very powerful. This is a really big statement they're saying. This is really like a secret code almost like what they're saying. Like if you do this, you could overcome any type of negativity that might be held against the person. So now Rabbi Yossi adds, so they're all like chipping in and adding their what they think is why they think this particular prayer is so important. Rabbi Yossi says, that wailing is of great value for it has power not only in this world but also in the world to come, meaning that it's able to it's able to also impact a person's afterlife. So they're saying if one prays from this pure place of of tzaka, of wailing, a person acquires not only this world but also the the world to come. As it is written, So this is Tehillim chapter 107. It says, They wailed to Hashem in their distress. He delivered them from their afflictions. So they're really trying to connect the dots between praying in this particular way and how it'll resolve any any negativity that one or might be dealing with or pain or suffering anything that one needs to be saved from that this particular prayer of taka or zaka can help them overcome okay so that's the end of the text now let's explore together the, the essential message that we want to take away so we learned today that praying that comes from the depth of the heart is the most powerful kind of prayer and the the zohar is really emphasizing this in a very strong way in, within you have to think about how the Zohar is trying to be innovative within the context of the traditional Jewish way of life and observance, where, for example, you know, in traditional uh, Judaism, the emphasis is on davening or praying from a sidor, from a prayer book, where you have formal prayers, formal texts. Um, and it's a halachic obligation to pray three times a day and say very specific prayers. But 
usually what happens when someone says the same prayer every day, three times a day, you, you say there's different prayers for different times a day, but you basically say the te- same text over and over again. So what happens is sometimes it's very normal that people get bored or they get uninspired because it's it's words that are not your own. So the Zohar here is, is saying that it's super important that you connect to, to tefillah, to prayer, as the avodah shebalev, the work of the heart. And we see here that the Zohar is completely aligned with, with what that means, what it, avodah shebalev is. I actually really love this teaching. It's actually one of my favorites. And the first time I learned this teaching was actually when I was in uh, Meron in Israel for like the owner celebrating the Hebrew lab Rabbi Shimon. And, and there were hundreds and thousands of people there praying and wailing and really like it was such a a, a huge display of avodah of people praying from the heart in so many different types of ways but very very heartfelt and when and also um, singing from the heart in intense ways of connecting to Hashem. I think another thing that um, they don't really mention here, but I know Hasidus takes to a new level, is the concept of a nigun. A nigun is a song without words, and that's also a very powerful way to to connect and, and to access higher states of, of consciousness through music and prayer that has no words. Now the Zohar goes so far to say that the spiritual result of of this type of prayer is it could actually change a person's mazel, a person's destiny through changing a gazera, a gazera, which is a very harsh judgment or decree that a person may have against them, So we see that they're really trying to, to push this in a very strong way, that this is something that is very effective. So how do we take this teaching and, and allow it to impact the way we will be praying from now on. How do you pray today and how can you pray tomorrow in a way that really integrates this approach? Will you be able to pray from the heart by opening up to accessing your true emotions, really crying from the depths of your soul and opening up your emotions and releasing any emotions that can cannot be expressed in a verbal way? How do you think it'll feel if you actually try to pray that way? And what gazeras do you want to cancel? What sort of breakthroughs in your life and in the life of those that you're around you would you like to reveal by connecting to Hashem in this unique way? And have you ever actually had this kind of experience where you were able to pray without words? Were you able to actually connect to Hashem from like such a deep place of your soul where there was no words necessary? Like you were able to just tap into something beyond words? And, how, and when you did that, were you actually able to change something? Did things shift for you? So a lot to think about. Um, this is a really powerful teaching, and I bless you all that Hashem should answer all your prayers for the good, and you should continue to be able to connect from your heart.